Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. If you are always aiming for success and that's all you're working for, it's never going to work out because you have to enjoy like the journey. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello. My name is Regina Lee. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for just over a year. The Women in Technology podcast has provided so much insight, guidance, and motivation. There are times when starting something completely new can seem completely impossible, but here's an entire group of women doing it. Their stories and successes remind me those goals are achievable and help me set even more. I was definitely demotivated by several individuals and my environment when I decided to enter tech. It took a good couple of years of reading, listening, and following groups for me to finally take that first step. I'm sure there are many of you out there who may be in the same situation. Keep listening. Start conversations with these women who are out there making it happen every day. We all have our own unique stories, but the Women in Tech podcast shares the common threads that tie our experiences. The interviews speak to those commonalities and make it a true community. Thank you to all the wonderful individuals in this group for not only setting the bar high, but helping others reach it. I look forward to continuing to see the growth of the group, as well as the great things they contribute to society through their innovations and in technology. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. My teammate, Adam, who works on editing these episodes, messaged me on Basecamp that we were out of personal spots. He actually messaged me yesterday, and he said, we need more. And I am so tired that I was about to write and say, just go forward without any. It's okay. And I didn't write that. And instead, here I am in the morning, first thing when I wake up, hours after I probably should have sent him something, recording personal spots, even though I'm feeling run down and just, I have nothing fun to share. But then I'm like, that's the real journey. (laughs) That some days are tough, some weeks are tough. And it's not going to always be so so spirited to share. And why should I try to sound like everything's perfect anyway? Why not, you know, share when I'm in a place of self-reflection and, and, and change and looking for how to successfully pivot my company in a really unusual time? 
So I'm sharing anyway. I don't know what I'm really sharing right now, (laughs) other than it's really difficult to share, but I'm sharing. And I've been taking this time while we're all in quarantine to kind of do a huge self-assessment of myself and my company. A lot of people, when they talk about me, use two words that I can't stand. I just really can't stand them. They say, Spree, you're so intense. (laughs) And then they say, you think too much. I've heard this so much throughout my life. I, I hate it. Like, I can't stand it. Because to me, intensity means that same intensity is what fuels me to do this podcast for you. That intensity is what makes me show up when I'm absolutely exhausted and tired and right now when it's really hard to show up. That intensity makes me go over and beyond to unite people in the community together because, like, I want to see people accelerate. That intensity helps me be creative in my friendships. And it just fuels this lust for life, right? So I don't know why when people use the word intensity, they have this kind of like negative judgmental undertone. Because I think, I think my intensity is my superpower. And then they say that you think too much, you think too much, you overthink, you overthink, you think too much. But if I didn't, quote unquote, think too much, I wouldn't pay attention to all the details. I wouldn't be able to have created the over 400 experiences I've created for the tech community that are so memorable that people remember them for years on end. Because I pay attention to every last detail. I pay attention to people's faces and their their physical postures when they walk into a room. I pay attention to like senses, how they feel. I pay attention to what the room smells like, to what it looks like, to to the experience someone has immediately. Like who are they connecting with and is that relationship of value? There is so much detail that goes into how I operate day to day. If I didn't, quote unquote, overthink, I would miss all that good stuff that is creating enormous positive impact for others. So I don't know what people mean when they say I overthink or, or that I'm too intense, but I don't, I don't want to change. <laughs> I don't want to take my superpowers away. <laughs> Why would I do that? Why would I do that? So I don't know what it is for you, the, the, the catch words for you when people are describing you that kind of set you off and kind of leave you feeling like, eh, gross and you want to shake them away. But maybe they're your superpowers too. Enjoy the next episode. Celebrating women in tech around the world today, we have Christine from Los Angeles. So excited to introduce her to the show. Hello. Hi. I'm so stoked to have you. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Hi, I'm Christine. I am the founder and CEO of Obby, a personalized podcast discovery app. And I host my own podcast called The New School where we interview people with interesting careers and ask them about how they got to where they are today. And what inspired you to create your podcast? 
I've spent my whole life trying to figure out what I'm passionate about and what I want to do in my career. And I've had quite a few career changes at this point. And I just wanted to help others like figure out their passions and how to make a living off of it. That's what inspired podcast. And how long have you been podcasting? I started in August, but I actually didn't launch till January this year. Season oh, two is wow. launching on Monday though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. So, so, so you do it by season. Uh, why did you decide to make that choice, that creative choice? Oh, that was actually out of necessity because I was a one woman shop for season one. So I was like, I don't have the bandwidth to produce, edit, interview and do all these things consistently. So I had to end season one. And that's when I kind of stepped back and I was like, okay, time to delegate, time to get help. And now I have an amazing like producing and editing and marketing team on board. So we can launch an episode every Monday now, hopefully indefinitely for season two. We'll see. That's awesome. Um, so go ahead. Tell us about Obby. Like, when did you found Obby? When was Obby kicked off? And dive into how we utilize Obby. For sure. Well, I actually never listened to a podcast until I moved to Los Angeles. Uh, it's because there's like, you know, sometimes you're commuting for like an hour and there's like nothing else to do while you're driving. I was like, I can't listen to music for an hour. So I got into podcasts and they kind of became sort of like therapy for me during commutes. Like, didn't matter if I was like, going through a bad breakup or like I had a really bad day at work. Like I was like, I don't know how to be a leader or like now with the startup, I'm like, Oh my God, what do I do next? If you find the right podcast for you, it's like kind of like your buddy in the car. That's why the name Obby came to be. And I remember one day having a really bad day from work. And I just want like the right podcast episode for me right then. Right. The thing is you usually listen to podcasts during like low brain power activity, like driving. So you don't have time to pick a podcast episode while you're driving, you know, like you're driving. So that would be kind of dangerous. Right. So I was like, okay, like I want an app that's like going to like pick the episode for me now exactly based on what I want. And I just couldn't let go of this idea. This is why I was still working at Tinder. And I started experimenting with solutions on that. I can elaborate on that later. Or do you want to hear yeah, now? No, but let's actually go into your background. But before going into your background and that you used to work at, at Tinder and, and even before that, when you first became interested in business and technology, let's first talk about like Obi. You say it, it's like a buddy. What does that mean to you, Obi? I just feel like a good podcast. It's like having these friends in your car who... You can't talk back to, but it's so nice. You know, it's like when I'm driving or doing something else, I don't necessarily have a friend I can call, right? No, but I mean the name itself. Oh yeah. Just like Obby is just short for audio buddy. That's literally where it came from. Oh, audio buddy. Audio yeah, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's dive into where you got your roots. Like when was that first spark for technology and for business? I'll tell you tech easily. Uh, I was in high school and this sounds so cliche, but um, I, I watched The Social Network. And after that movie, I was like, one, Aaron Sorkin is amazing. And I like <laughs> binge Aaron Sorkin after that. Um, two, I was like, tech is going to change the world. Like one person can make an app that touches millions. And I was like, that's so cool. And like have this amazing huge positive impact. And I just knew I wanted to be a part of that. So I was like, I got to work in tech. And I had no idea how to break in. I grew up in Greenville, North Carolina, a really small town. We didn't even really have a computer science class in my high school. So that, I took my first programming class in college at Yale. And then I was like, this is it. I'm going to major in computer science and I'm going to try to get to Silicon Valley when I graduate. So wait, you ended up in computer science all because you saw a movie. Is that is that right? Yeah. 
<laughs> that's so great. It's just, I think that's just such a powerful thing to showcase a light on because so many people ask me, how do you, how do more women become exposed to technology? And usually it's, you know, parents have it. Like for me, my dad was super into tech or it's something like as a child. And to see the kind of impact a movie can have on us, one of my favorite movies, I've actually talked about it a lot this week for some funny reason. <laughs> I never talked about it before is Pump Up the Volume. Do you know it by chance? It's a Christian no, I don't movie. Actually. It's like, like an iconic, like cult classic Christian Slater movie. And it's pretty much about a pirate radio DJ who like his whole like town is just enthralled or the kids in his town are just enthralled by him. And I feel like because of my obsession with pump up the volume, maybe that influenced wanting to be a podcaster, you know, like. Dude, movies have such an impact on your life, especially when you're growing up in a small town and you don't have access to the other worlds. Totally. Totally. And okay, so you studied programming at Yale. And then what happened after that? Sure. So the thing is, when you major in computer science, you're kind of like, cool, what do I do next? And you're kind of pushed to be a software engineer when you graduate, which is what I did for a year at Yahoo. I kind of quickly realized I was like, oh, I got into tech because I want to work on the product ideas. I want to come up with them. Right. So that's when, I mean, I didn't even know what product manager was till like my senior year of college. But then I was like, okay, I want to become a PM. So it was kind of hard, but I just figured out a way to kind of transfer into the APM program at Yahoo. And what's APM stand for? Uh, Associate Product Manager. And how did you even find the opportunity? Well, I got kind of lucky there, to be honest. I was a software engineer for Yahoo Mail. And one of the directors of product management on Yahoo Mail was the head of the Associate Product Manager program at Yahoo. So I kind of like was talking to her about how I was interested in maybe becoming a PM one day. I offered to help out with the technical interviews for the APMs. And then like they kind of underhired for the APMs next year. So even though the program is usually designed for like new grads, she immediately thought of me and she was like, hey, um, do you want to transfer into our APM program? And then I, I went through their interview process and I got in. Yeah. And how did you find Yahoo initially just as when you first became a software engineer for them? I, I just kind of applied to every tech company I could find. And um, oh, yeah, the summer before I had interned as a software engineer at LinkedIn. So that I like how you out. just left it out. So <laughs> hey, how, let's, go, let's rewind. How did you find the LinkedIn opportunity? Sure. That was also, again, just applying everywhere I could find. But I definitely felt the struggle my sophomore summer. So like my sophomore year of college was when I took my first programming class. So that summer, like finding a software engineering internship was super hard, but I found this like small nonprofit in DC that would take me. And honestly, all you need is that one item on your resume that says you've done it. And then like big companies will take you more seriously, especially for internships. Yeah. And, and are you a strong proponent for internships then in elevating your career? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's the way not only to break into the door, because people are more willing to take a chance on you who's risky. It's also like a way for you yourself to figure out, is this what I want to be doing with my life? A little taste. Completely. And not to invade your privacy at all. So if you feel uncomfortable answering this, totally okay. Um, Was it a paid internship or an unpaid internship? The reason why I ask is so many people, especially now, feel, I guess, not to be crass, but this entitlement, like, um, like the world owes me something. I feel like we're in this energy, like as a as a mm. culture and a digital culture. The world owes me attention. The world owes me follows. The world owes me, yeah. you know, all these things. So for you, um, 
And I'm a big believer in not worrying about getting paid and acquiring up the experience. So now with all that, the pressure is on, Christine. So was it paid or unpaid for you? And and why did you make that choice? Yeah, I think there's something kind of unique about software engineers and that they're so high in demand right now that like they almost expect this high salary and they're able to get it because of this demand. Those summer internships are paid, but to kind of even get the first software internship... I remember volunteering to create a website for this like small startup for free. And it was like, that was, I guess it was like an internship informally, but it was just like, I was like, completely. I was like, Hey, I'll make your website for you. Cause I want to learn how to make a website. So, and it felt like very low pressure cause they weren't paying yeah. me. So over winter break, I just like learned how to make a website my sophomore year because of that unpaid internship. So that was on my resume first and then that first paid summer internship in DC. Yeah. I love it. And I did feel a need to like reinforce that lesson that it's not all about the money all the time. I think there becomes a point in our careers where we need to define our value and set boundaries and make sure that we are paid accordingly. And mm-hmm. but there is also a point where we need to focus on cultivating our expertise and the only way to do that is to have hands-on projects and sometimes those are not paid opportunities. Um, they're paid in other ways. So first, you build a website, which is an internship. Then you have an internship at LinkedIn. And then you jump over as a software engineer job at Yahoo. And then you transfer over to the, an APM at uh, at Yahoo. And then what happens? Okay, well, you skipped the DC internship before LinkedIn. But yes. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait tell me about the DC. I must have missed it. Oh, no worries. Uh, okay, here, here's the real trajectory. Um, studied, took my first programming class sophomore year of college. Then that's winter break. I did my first unpaid internship creating a website. I learned how to make a website. It was called the Sports Quotient. And then that summer, I was able to use that experience on my resume to get my first paid software engineering internship at this nonprofit in DC. Then the next summer, it's like going to LinkedIn, this bigger name in the Bay. I made it to Silicon Valley. Amazing. And then, <laughs> and then next year, Yahoo. Yes. <laughs> and then after Yahoo, where do you go from there? And why did you decide to transition out of Yahoo? Oh, well, I'm so grateful to Yahoo for giving me my first product manager internship. I, I, I mean, product management position. And I, right. I learned so many things there, but I just wasn't really passionate on what I was working on. And okay, this is when things get a little weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the background, I always wanted to like check out the entertainment industry. We already talked about how like movies influenced my entire life. Right. I always wanted to try being a full-time actor for a while. And I oh, knew wow. I couldn't do it until I had savings. <laughs> and so like Yahoo gave me the savings I needed to kind of quit and try it full-time for a while. So <laughs> yeah, that's how I ended up moving to LA actually be an actor after that. But but then you mentioned that you also worked at Tinder. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did that come to be and what was your role there? Yeah, so acting doesn't pay well and it takes a long time to get there. Acting <laughs> so, is a very extended unpaid internship. <laughs> yeah, it's a very extended unpaid internship. I respect any actor who does it because you're doing it for the passion. You're not doing it for the money. So after like a year and a half of doing that, I was like, hmm, kind of need more money to support myself. <laughs> right. So I, I was kind of like, man, PMing was like the only work I really enjoyed and you can get paid well for. Right. So that's how I ended up at Tinder, actually. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the day in a life of a product manager? What does that look like? I think what I liked so much about it is like no day is ever the same, right? It really depends on what phase of the product you're in. So you get set a kind of goal, like 
a problem to solve usually from a higher up. So you're like, cool, how do we solve this problem? (laughs) Um, So then you do all this user research for a while to kind of like get a sense of the problem, really define that problem um, into like hopefully one sentence. Hopefully you can summarize your problem in one sentence. And then you're like, cool, how do we solve it? So then it's kind of like working with design to like figure out a feature you can make to solve the user problem. And then like, you know, they'll make mocks and like, it's kind of a work in progress between the two of you. And, you know, you do usability testing to make sure the mocks are working. And then that's when you kind of like work with the engineers and there's a, a back and forth again. They're like, this isn't possible. Like, this doesn't make sense. So you like modify design again. Right. And then they start working on it. And basically you're like kind of help project manage and like, you write up the feature exactly. So because the engineers, they're always the biggest roadblock for a product, like their work takes the most time. So like your job is kind of to make sure they're completely unblocked. Like they don't even have to think when they're coding the feature, they know exactly what they're making. Like the mocks are there, all the like weird test cases, like if this fails, do this. For this size screen, do it like this versus this size screen, right? And then you also make sure, you know, you've checked the legal team that everything's kosher, privacy team, everything's kosher. You like make sure marketing setup. So as soon as the engineers are done, you can like market it, right? Something different every day. I love it. And what would you say in your journey being in tech was the best piece of advice you've gotten as you flowed in and out of different positions? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. What would you say in your journey being in tech was the best piece of advice you've gotten as you flowed in and out of different positions? Oh, I, maybe something my dad said when I was younger. He was just like, the only thing they can't take away from you is the skills you've gained. You can get fired. You can get laid off. Your business project can fail. You really can't control it. But, you know, as long as you concentrate on like gaining skills, you're going to be okay. I actually love that advice. Yeah. My my dad would used to tell me no one could take away your brain. Like no one has the same brain that you have. Oh. So you don't have to worry about being copied because you're the one that came up with the idea in the first place. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's kind of similar. They're like yeah. philosophy, uh, yeah, they're, sibling they're, philosophy. They're sibling philosophies. Yeah, <laughs> I really I really liked yours a lot. I'm gonna think about that. Um yeah. and one of my favorite questions that well, first, have you been on a podcast before? No, you're my first. (laughs) Crazy. So excited. It is an honor that I get to be your first. And I hope everybody poaches you and like puts them on their show now. And this is just the first of like several many to come. Uh, One question I love to ask is what's one huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Hmm. Feels like so many. Probably think more recently because starting your own business is, is really hard. I think my PM experience, it's made me really good at thinking about a really good user experience and how to stand out with that. But usually it's been with apps like, you know, like Tinder is a dating app, right? What's going to make it stand out is a a really amazing user experience. Like there's tons of dating apps out there. You know, you can make a dating app. It's very technically possible, right? Yeah. Um, So for me, like my training has really been in like 
creating an amazing user experience compared to others. That's how you stand out. But my idea I wanted to work on, unfortunately, that's what's going to make it stand out is my algorithm. And I have like no data science background. So that was really, really hard. I was like, God, it's like I'm working on Pied Piper, basically, (laughs) where like the algorithm is a differentiator for my app, right? Because I'm a podcast discovery app. And I have a very special process the way I'm doing that right now. And having to pick up data science and like create my database, I was trying to talk to as many data science experts as I could find. I'm like, how do I label data? I have no idea. Like, how do I create an algorithm for it? Well, I kind of learned that a little bit from programming. And then it's like, how do you do an ML algorithm later down the road? Collaborative filtering. I was like, what is that? Um, yeah. Yeah. I felt super stuck and I was working alone. You know, I didn't have, well, I had a co-founder kind of dropped out. Talk about that later. But um, okay. I was working alone and I was just like, man, what am I going to do? And then you kind of like look again at your skills. And honestly, the only skill I've really had has been people management and product ideas. So I was like, all right, I got to use my people management skills, right? right. So I was like, all right, I got. To, I just got to find someone who can do data science to help me out because clearly this is not working on my own. And like, I need to learn how to delegate because that's what I can do. And put like a data science intern position and it was unpaid. I mean, I was incredibly honest on it. I was like, hey, like, I need help in data science. This is what we're doing. I have no funding. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to get funding until after we get real users. So I was like, I don't funding. I can't pay you. Um, this is really kind of like a trial, like dating kind of before we decided yeah. we want to get married. So I was like, I would love to have someone's head of data science down the road. That's why like, I very much focus on culture fit and passion right. for the project. Uh, and I was like, I guess I'll just post it to a bunch of places and see what happens. Right. Yeah. I got 800 applicants for that. What? Eight? What? That's insane. Where'd you post it? Um, I posted everywhere I could find. I posted like on all these Facebook groups, like, you know, like student Facebook group, different tech Facebook groups. Um, I posted on Indeed, ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn, any job site I could think of. That's so cool. And then how did you filter through the 800? What was your system at that point to find a quality person? Yeah, you know, the best thing about about startups is like, you're you're like, just every day, it's just like a new problem because you just kind of like learn as you go. Um, I never really recruited before like that. Luckily, (laughs) I ran these instructions at the bottom of the job post, be like, hey, if you're interested in applying, email join us at heyalby.com telling us why you want to work with us, what skills you're hoping to gain, yada, yada, right? Right. Um, and attach your resume. And that was the easiest filter right there. Because I had just done it to like kind of put all my applications in one place because uh, I was doing all these posts. But actually, that was the godsend because it's like, if you can't read a job post... Exactly. Do I, I want to hire You're not going to catch all the details. Totally. Right. right. One. And two, I really focused on people who are passionate about the project idea. So if they were actually reading the post and they were into the idea, they would email me. So I only had 55 who actually emailed me. Okay, but I'm still, I'm still curious. And I think that's amazing. And it's a great thing yeah. to take note of. Um, when I hire as well, I have some sort of test in there to see if they've read it. And I can easily tell people who are just kind of like spamming job posts versus like meaningfully crafting a response to like wanting to apply to work with me. So... That that was awesome. When you were down to the 55, how do you sort through all of those? Well, you know, I had them answer why they want to work for me and what skills they want to be gaining. So I just kind of read through the cover letters 
I mean, cover letters is one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can tell exactly by the way they wrote it. So that's how I narrowed it down to like maybe 10, 12, 15 people to interview. And then from there, it's easier. You just schedule phone screens and kind of you're like, would I get along with this person? Would I work well with this person? Then you like do culture fit first. And then like next round, you kind of do a more technical screen. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) That's so funny. I do the culture fit first and then I send them a small test project. And a huge question I have is why would you go from having these amazing jobs in tech, like amazing companies? Why the switch? Why move into that kind of lifestyle? To give you a little more context on like the acting Tinder switch to entrepreneur podcast switch. I watched this YouTube video one day. It was Oprah's talk at Stanford Business School. And she said this one thing that kind of changed my entire life and how I evaluate all my career choices. She was like, to know a choice is right for you, you need to make sure you're always aligning your purpose with your personality. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. To know a choice is right for you, you must always be aligning your purpose with your personality. Yes. Yes. And it's so simple, but it really made me think because I felt unhappy with acting at the time. I, I think I was around like half a year into Tinder, maybe. And, you know, like the thing about acting, it, it's so hard to break into when you have no connections. So I had spent all that time like getting better at the craft figuring out how to get auditions, like how do I get an agent and manager, figuring right. out how do I get a demo reel, all that stuff, right? And I, you know, I like finally had an amazing agent and manager. I was getting like auditions for stuff. I always dreamed about like Marvelous Miss Maisel. I like had booked my first network role in Silicon Valley and like, you know, I know, of course, Silicon Valley. But, um, I mean, that's kind of full circle though, right? It's full circle. <laughs> that's awesome. Classic. I love how you just casually left that out. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. (laughs) What was the role? Oh, it was like such a small role in like the series finale. I auditioned like three times for them. So the first time I auditioned for Gort, Gort, Gort. Did you watch the last season? No, I didn't watch any of it because it reminded me too much of my own life and I was very triggered. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I like, maybe when you're in a better mood, watch it. I think it's very uh, refreshing. No, I will eventually. (laughs) So I realized acting wasn't the right fit for me because I thought about my purpose. Right. And I was like, I got into entertainment because I want to tell other people's stories. And what's my personality? I want to have creative control. I'm like used to Mm, like, that's what I want. And acting, you're not getting that. I was like, most of my auditions were literally like Asian nerdy girl or uh, (laughs) Asian prostitute with accent. Like, I'm very serious. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is no. I'm like, I, not again. It's like the eye roll emoji. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, these are not the stories I want to be telling. Um, so that's actually how I ended up hosting my own podcast. Because I was like, oh, I want to tell other people's stories. I want control. I want to create my own talk show. That's how the podcast was born, the new school. And then um, at Tinder simultaneously, like, oh, my God, I love being a PM there the first year or so. Like, I was like, I like being a PM better than an actor at that point. That's when I like really was like dropping off of acting at that point. But at the end of the day, you don't really get creative control because your goals are really set for you by the company and you're very narrowed down. Like, this is what we're working on with improve this, this metric, right? And I, I don't know, I just wasn't really passionate about the goals or projects kind of set for us. And that idea I told you about a car where I was like, man podcast discovery. I want to solve it. I want to solve it. I just could not let go of that. I thought about that for like six months and I was like sketching ideas and like doing basic MVP tests and like 
user testing, surveying people. Yeah. And, like, and MVP, just in case, is minimum viable product, in case you guys don't know, just seeing like really like what works in the most minimal way possible. Yes, exactly. And I'll tell you my MVP, actually. Yes, um, please. Yeah, for sure. Because I'll show you, even if you don't have a tech background, you can do it. I was like, can I as a human even predict the episodes that people want to listen to? Because if I can't, then a machine can't, right? Because I knew the problem I want to solve, but I didn't know how to solve it. So I was like, can I as a human do it first? So I literally created a Google form with some questions and sent it to like a bunch of friends and strangers. And I was like, hey, like, can you fill this out? So I would read the responses. And then off of that, I would like try to guess which episodes they would like. And I put them on a playlist on Spotify and sent it to them. And I was like, hey, did you like it? They're like, oh my God, yeah, I loved all 10. Can I get more? I was like, no, that took me an hour to make your playlist. So no. <laughs> so I was like, I got to scale now. So that's why I'm in the middle of data science work, creating my database. Yeah. And did the intern that you sourced, did that work out? Or are you guys still working together? Just started, but uh, yeah, excited. This is new, so you hope it works out. It's like crossing fingers. Yeah, it's the beginning of dating. We'll see. <laughs> and what is the business model? Like, how do you hope to make this sustainable? Lots of people listen to podcasts as a daily habit. So if I'm in the best discovery app, I mean, people are going to be returning to it every week. And the more we learn about your listening habits, the better it'll get. And I have quite a few revenue ideas for it. Yeah. I think it sounds to me that your revenue ideas are actually a data play, which is really smart. Is that right? Yeah. I think if you like privatize it enough, anonymize it, that could totally work. I was actually thinking more like subscription models, actually. Oh yeah, go for it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Honestly, I haven't even jumped to revenue because I've always been focused on creating like the best product possible for users and like getting as many users as possible. Because I honestly believe if you get the user engagement, like the revenue will follow. I hope that is true for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess you've been scarred before. I'm so naive, but let me be living my naivete. <laughs> the thing is, I think naive is like a funny, it's a funny perspective because I think anything is possible. Like I think all of our journeys are so different. So there's not a truth to a journey, right? We're all in different places at different times with a different set of personality and characteristics and resources, et cetera, et cetera, and working in different categories. And so I think that could totally happen for you. I don't think it's necessarily naive. It's just a different way, right? And so I, I don't know. I really think anything is possible. And I think the more we put self-limiting beliefs on our ideas, that's where the problem is. So it's not actually being naive. It's about thinking something isn't possible is a self-limiting belief. Does that make sense how I said it? Kind of. It, it sounds like you're saying like, you should be taking advice openly and like be open to feedback, but don't let it make you not believe in yourself. Is that what you mean? <laughs> and just trust your gut. And if you think yeah. it will work, it will. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think yeah. it's just about trusting your gut in your own journey and paving your own path and being an inspiration to others, how you were able to make it possible. And so then you're I, able to share that story. It is weird how hard it is to completely listen and trust your own instincts. Oh my God, completely hard. Yeah. I love the Oprah quote that you mentioned, and we'll include all that in the show notes. We'll include your podcast in the show notes. How can people connect with you further? Well, my Instagram is it's Christine Hong or reach out on the new school podcast.com or heyalby.com. <laughs> Perfect. And one question that you, you brought up earlier is you had a co-founder and now you don't. If you're comfortable, can you walk us through that journey as well? For sure. That's why I keep using the dating marriage analogy. It's kind of bizarre to me that people are like, this is my co-founder. We don't have anything yet. We're just going to build this app together. And I'm like, 
it just sounds like jumping to marriage before even seeing if you can work well together. Right. Right. And that is kind of what we did because we were friends for a while. Like I met him through a mutual friend and we were just hitting tent playing tennis one day. And he was just like, I was talking about how I want to start my own business. And it was like the podcast app idea. And he just wanted to work on something like he was an engineer who just wanted to work on a cool idea. The problem was like, that was it. He just wanted to work on a startup. And he just wanted to work with me because he thought I was a strong product person and he liked me, but that's not enough. Right. He doesn't really listen to podcasts. He doesn't believe in the idea. And it's so hard to work for free and work so many hours every day, every week, endlessly, because like without believing in it, because it's just not going to work. Like if you are always like aiming for success and that's all you're working for, it's, it's never going to work out because you have to enjoy like the journey on the way. Completely. Completely. You can't guarantee success. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so stoked that we were able to have you on the show. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We'll take you straight there. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show. I will see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Bye. This is Christine Hong, CEO of Albi, the personalized podcast discovery app and host of the New School podcast, where you get to learn about careers you don't normally get to hear about in the classroom. We're based in Venice, California, and you're listening to Women in Tech. Hi, this is Arlen Hamilton, author of It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech. I feel so grateful I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy of Arlen Hamilton's new book, It's About Dan Time. She is one of the most inspiring venture capitalists I've ever come across. Her story from having absolutely nothing and being completely broke to being one of the most influential venture capitalists in the world blows my mind. And her book is insanely well written. Right when I picked it up, I didn't want to put it down. She teaches me and us how to become the asset, how to be our best selves, and how to be a person that not only creates opportunity for ourselves, but creates an abundance of opportunity for others. I'm so proud to share her book with you. And I hope you'll pick it up. And I know for sure you'll be just as riveted as I was with each page you turn. Get It's About Damn Time at itsaboutdamntime.com. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.